0: Let me begin this morning. I want to share an illustration with you, which I think certainly uh, it has meant a lot to me and I certainly I think is relevant for what we are thinking about and talking about today. Listen to this. Mr. Jones was a wealthy man. He had a teenage son that he loved very much. And one day he said to his son, God has blessed me and given me great wealth. I want you to inherit everything that I have. And as a sign of my promise to give you all that I have, I want you to have this ring. And whenever you look at this ring, it will remind you of my promise to you and of your responsibility to live in a way that brings honor to our family name. Well, when Mr. Jones died, his son inherited his wealth the ring that had been symbolic of the promised inheritance that was to come. And when the inheritance came, the significance of the ring changed. It now became a symbolic reminder of the Father's faithfulness to His promise. You know, as I think about that, I really love that illustration because, to me, what a beautiful picture we have here of God's promise and God's faithfulness to us today, as it has been throughout all of history. <clears throat> now, as we think about this illustration, this morning I would like for us to think about three questions. Number one, what is a covenant? Number two, what is the significance of the ring or the sign? And then thirdly, well, now what does all of this say to us today? What are we to learn from all of this? So first of all, then, look at the question, what is a covenant? Now, look at verse 7, and here we see, God said to Abraham, I will establish my covenant between me and you. Now, what is a covenant? The Children's Catechism says, I just love the Children's Catechism, Maybe it's because I can understand what it's what teaching, but it, it's, it's, it's a great instrument of teaching, and, and if you don't have one, especially if you have children, you need one, and if you don't have one, let me know and I'll get you one. But the Children's Catechism says this, a covenant is an agreement between two or more persons. You see, a covenant is something that binds people together. That's the idea. And here as we look at these verses, here we see that the word which is translated covenant here, it actually means relationship. And what this says is that God in the covenant, God enters into us and He establishes a relationship among us. And in this relationship, you see, God says this, I will be your God, you will be my people, and I will come and I will dwell among you. It's important, I think, for us to remember that the covenants teach us important truths about God. We learn about God. For example, in the very first covenant, which was the one that that God created with Adam and Eve, in the first covenant, the covenant of works, we learn some great, some important things about God. We learn about the character of God. We learn about the nature of God. We learned that God is a loving God and that God is a creator. He is a sustainer. That God really cares about us. And as we look at the different covenants, it's important to think about and remember that each covenant builds on the previous one, and each one is helping us to better understand the message of the covenant, which is this, where God says, I will be your God, and you will be my people, and I will come and I will dwell and live among you. Now, you remember when God created Adam and Eve, and when God put them in the Garden of Eden, you remember they were in perfect fellowship with God. Everything was wonderful, as we would say. They had it made, so to speak. But now, in order to continue in all of this, you remember God said to them, but now there's something you must learn, you must understand. God says, in chapter 2 of Genesis, we read that. God said, this garden is for your benefit. It's for your pleasure. It's for you. And God said, you may eat of every tree in the Garden of Eden, except, God says, you see over there in the midst? You see that tree over there? That's the, good, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God says now, while you can eat of the others... You must not eat of that tree, because in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. Now, that was the covenant of works. And that was the covenant that God made with man. And you see, God was going to provide all of the needs that Adam and Eve had. But in order to receive all of this, they had what? They had to obey God. Well... Sadly, when we read in the early chapters of Genesis, we see that they didn't obey God because you remember in the garden there was somebody else, another creature there, that the old devil was there. And you know, one day the devil came, Satan came to Eve, and he said, Eve, is it true that all of it? beautiful things in the garden, the good fruit and and everything. Is it true that God will not allow you to eat of these things? And of course, Eve said, no, 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 that's that's not the case. God has said, we can eat of all of the fruit of the garden. He said, but now, that tree over there in the midst, you cannot eat of that, of the knowledge of good and evil, because God has said, If you eat of it, you will surely die. Satan's approach and Satan's attitude, what is so sad is that's still the way God approaches God's Word today. You know, Satan said to Eve, now Eve, you can't believe what God says. Doesn't that sound familiar today? You know, we we can't believe the Bible. The Bible is outdated. You know, we hear that over and over again, and that's the same approach, and that's what Eve, uh, Adam, uh, Satan came and said, Eve, you can't believe what God says, because you see, God knows if you eat of that, the knowledge of good and evil, then you'll be wise just like God. Eve, wouldn't you like to be wise like God? And maybe she thought about it a minute, and she thought, you know, that would be nice, wouldn't it? And she took the fruit, and she ate of it, and then she gave it to Adam, and they ate of it. And sadly to say, the covenant of works was broken. You know, when you think about it, and as I read these verses and I think about all of this, what is truly amazing to me is that God would actually live and allow Adam and Eve to live in His presence in the first place. And yet, as you think about that, what does that say to us? It simply is a picture of God's grace and God's mercy. And to me, what is even more amazing is after Adam and Eve had disobeyed God, after they had broken the covenant, that God was willing to come back, and God was still willing to allow them to live in His presence and establish the fellowship again. What a picture we see of our great God. What a great God we have, and what a great God we serve. You see, that's the message that, that we see in, in all of this. <clears throat> now, it's important for us to remember that immediately after Adam and Eve had, fa- had fallen in sin, God comes back to the garden, and you see, God is ready to reestablish the fellowship, and God is ready to renew fellowship his relationship. And you see, at that point, that's when God comes back and God establishes the new covenant, which is the covenant of grace, the grace of God. <clears throat> now, is called the covenant of grace because it's all of grace. It's all of God. You remember, in the covenant of works, <clears throat> the parties in the covenant of works, you remember, the parties were... God and then Adam and Eve. Now, when we look at the covenant of grace, you see the parties are the members of the Godhead. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And you see the significance of this is that we learn a new lesson about God. We learn new lessons that we need to understand. And you see in this new covenant, we see it teaches us that God has a chosen people. And that God the Son does everything that is necessary in order to accomplish the salvation of these chosen people. And then you see the work of the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit comes and the Holy Spirit takes that which the Father purposed and that which the Son purchased. And He applies it to our life so that it becomes real to us. And you see, what that is saying to us, and what we want to understand in all of this, is that our salvation is the work of our triune God. Note, note this. We call it the covenant of grace because it's God all the way and as we think about the things that Ben has been teaching, and as we think about the obedience of of that, you see how all of that fits in to what this is. You see, Adam had demonstrated that he would not keep the covenant. And so, therefore, Adam has no part when we come to this this new covenant. Now, as we come down to Genesis chapter 17 this morning, we see that God again reveals Himself to us. And as we said, in every covenant, we learn a little bit more about God. And here we see something brand new about God. Look at verse 1 in your your scriptures. God says, I am God Almighty. You see, He says, I am the one who is able to turn the covenant into reality. That's the idea. But now watch this. Along with the promise, there also comes what? A responsibility. Again, look at verse 1. <clears throat> God says to Abraham, I am almighty God. He says, walk before me and be blameless. Now note that. Walk before me and be blameless. We say, now what does that mean? What's he talking about here? <clears throat> Abraham was to be responsible and he was to obey God. He was to obey God's Word, and Abraham was to be obedient (coughs) to the Word of God. You know, think about that a minute. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? It does, because you see, that's exactly (coughs) what God had said to Adam. Adam, you must obey me. (coughs) And you see what God is saying here through Abraham, God is saying to us today that if we are to experience the fullness of God's covenant promise, then you said there's a responsibility, and that is that we must be obedient to God's Word. Now, when we say that, though, we have to say, wait a minute, but there's a problem. There's a problem here. And you see, the problem is none of us are obedient as God requires. <clears throat> there was Adam in the garden. The Scripture teaches that Adam was the federal head of the human race, that Adam literally, he represented us in the garden. And when Adam disobeyed God... It was like we disobeyed God because He was our representative. And we all stem from Adam. And so, therefore, what that means is that that sinful nature that Adam had then, that it was passed on to us. We've got a problem. But you see, when we come to the covenant of grace, we see there's hope. And the hope is this. The Bible says there's Jesus and Jesus is the one, He is the one who is obedient. <clears throat> and He is obedient in my place, in your place, on my behalf, on your behalf. And you see, that's the message that we have here. And you see, it's important. Here we see God as the Almighty One that He, that he points out there. <clears throat> but you know, there's something more, something else that we want to see and grasp from <clears throat> and understand from this. And that is, uh, we want to see, there's more. And you see, because God spells out the details. And you see, as part of the covenant promise, God said, look at verse 4, where God says, Abraham, you will be the father of a multitude of nations. Now here, God is talking to Abraham. I mean, he's a hundred years old, and he's telling him that His wife, Sarah, who is 90 years old, is going to give birth to a son. And so probably physically, we're talking about an impossibility. But you see, what God is saying here is that I am God Almighty, and I am going to bring about this promise in a supernatural way. Because He says, Abraham, you are going to have a son. And He says, You are going to be the Father of a great and a mighty nation, a great and mighty people. Well, then that brings us to our second question, and that is this. What is the ring? What is the sign and the seal of the ring? Well, if you think back on our illustration, Mr. Jones gave his son a ring, And that ring was to remind him, we might say, of his sonship. It was to remind his son of the promised inheritance. And then after the son received the inheritance, then he would look at the ring, and the ring then would remind him not only of the father's love, but of the father's faithfulness. You know, as you think about that, that's exactly, you see, what the scripture says God has done for us. God came to Abraham, and He gave him a promise. Abraham, you will be the father of a mighty nation. And you see, God told Abraham there would be a sign of this promise, a sign of what was going to take place. And He says in verse 11 that we looked, and He said, the sign would be circumcision. And that sign would be a reminder to the people of how much God loved them, and that God was making this promise, and that God was going to honor that promise, and God was going to bring that promise to fruit, to fruition. Now, when we come to the New Testament, we see the emphasis and the focus is the same thing. God says, I will be your God, you will be my people, and I will come, and I will live, and I will dwell among you. It's the same thing. And you see, the only difference when we come to the New Testament is that the sign has changed. And so you see, with the fulfillment, with the life, the birth, and the life, and the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, you see, with all of that, the sign is changed. And now the sign for us today is what? It's not circumcision, but it's baptism. It's the Lord's Supper. And you see, these are the signs that God has given us today as a reminder to us of God's love and His mercy and His faithfulness to the promises <coughs> that He has made. Well, thirdly, thirdly, let's think about this. The third question is, All right, now what is the application of all of this for us today? What are we to learn from this? What are we to see in in all of this? And you see, the application is that in a very simple way, we learn about our salvation. In a very simple way, you see, we learn what it is that God wants. We learn what God expects of us, and we learn how we are saved today today. You see, Adam was not obedient to God's Word. No, he broke the covenant. And yet, in spite of Adam's Adam's failure, but you see, God was still merciful, and God was ready to receive man back into fellowship and also have fellowship with him. And God promised forgiveness, and God promised eternal life. And we can see this clearly pointed out When you see how God speaks to us in the book of Romans. And Paul records that in chapter 5. And Paul Paul says this He says, For as by one man's disobedience, who is that? That's Adam. By one man's disobedience, he says, the many were made sinners. And in Romans chapter 5, Paul goes on to spell this out, and he points out, he says, that that's a picture of Adam. Adam was the representative of mankind. And by Adam's disobedience and by his sin, we've all been plunged into sin. And we all have a sinful nature because of that. And that's the problem today. But he goes on to say, (coughs) but he says, But by one man's obedience... Paul says, that's Jesus. By Jesus' obedience, he says, many will be made righteous. The point is, excuse me, the point is that Jesus is the obedient one. Jesus is the one that Adam should have been. And you see, God comes to Adam, to Abraham, and of course, he comes to us today. And you see, He offers forgiveness to us on the basis of the obedience and the sacrifice that the Lord Jesus made. And so we can say then, you see, that Adam failed. But Jesus is the second Adam. And it's on the basis of what Jesus has done. And it's through the obedience of Jesus, you see, Scripture says, that you and I receive the blessings of salvation. Excuse me. But now watch this. Because you see, we can learn more of the blessings of the covenant of grace. You see, after Adam and Eve had sinned, we read in Genesis chapter 2 there, it says that Adam and Eve, they covered themselves with leaves and they tried to hide from God. But in Genesis 3, we read. Look at this. We read where it says, God came, and the Lord God called to the man and the woman, and the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and Eve, and He clothed them. You see, think about that. Here we have the message of the covenant. God came, God called, and God clothed. That's the message, you see, of the covenant. and actually, that's the message of the gospel that we have have today. You see, God comes to us today. God calls us to Him today, and you see, and God clothes us with the righteousness of Jesus so that we can stand, we can stand in His presence. Now, as we think about this, It's so important, and what the the, the covenant is really teaching us, it's important for us to understand is that, you see, our relationship to God is not because of something we have done, because we've been so good or something that we have done, but rather it's based purely, as we see here, on God's promise, on God's covenant, and on God's grace. You see, that's the message. Think of it like this. All of this, in a very practical way, is applying things to us. And again, you see, as we look at the covenant, as we think about the covenant, you see this is showing to us how that God loves us. We learn about God's nature. We learn about God's character. We learn that God cares. We learn about that God is concerned about us and that God is actually involved in our lives. And you see, that's what we learn, and that's what we need to learn and draw from this. Think of it like this. The message of the covenant is what Jesus has done for us and what Jesus is doing for us today. Now, let me say something so that there'll be no misunderstanding. This is not saying that obedience is not important. When we say that obedience is not what saves us, this is not saying that obedience, though, is not important, because once we are saved, obedience is very much important. Very much. You know Jesus says, if you, and he's talking to believers, he says, "If you love me, you will what? You will obey me." <clears throat> and I like to say it like this, that, <clears throat> that Jesus says something like this to, to believers, and he says something like he says, Don't tell me how much you love me. Show me. You see, that's the idea. Let me see your love for me through your obedience. Now, that's the message, you see, for believers. And yet what we're talking about here is we're talking about the covenant that brings us to the point where we are believers in Jesus. And the message of the covenant is, I will be your God, and you will be my people, and I will come and I will live among you. And you see, this promise comes to the fullest expression when we look at Jesus and we see what Jesus did. We see who Jesus is. And <clears throat> you see, after announcing to Mary and Joseph that Mary was going to have a a, a son <clears throat> and that this son would be the mother of the Savior, we read there, we read this in Matthew chapter 1, where... Matthew writes, he says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and she shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means, which is translated, God with us. Think about that. Jesus is Emmanuel, that is, God with us. And you see, the message is the Lord of glory is with us, He is dwelling with us in the flesh. And you see, Jesus kept every condition of the law, every condition that God had set forth. And you see, we're able to enjoy the covenant because of the perfect life and the perfect, la- uh, the, the perfect death of Jesus. <clears throat> because He is that sacrifice that was paid the price so that, <clears throat> that we might enjoy that. And you read in the Scriptures, we see that after Jesus arose from the dead, and then after He ascended into heaven, here we see that what happened, He sent His Holy Spirit among us so that we wouldn't be without Him. And so, you see, today we have Jesus living in us and through us and among us in the Holy Spirit. You see, God's promise, God's glorious promise is precious to us. His presence is with us. And you see, that's the covenant And that's the covenant, the promise that God made with His people. And He goes on to say, as we look at verse 7, He says, I will establish My covenant between Me and you and your offsprings after you throughout their generation for an everlasting covenant, and I will be a God to you, and I will be a God to your offsprings after you, God says. Note this, God comes to Abraham, and God says, Abraham, I will be your God, and I will be your offspring's God. Note that, your offspring's God. See, that's talking about me, and that's talking about you. You see, the Scripture says, Every believer is an offspring of Abraham. And so, therefore, what he is saying here is, that God is our God just as God was their God this is my God and this is your excuse me your God <clears throat> God continues his thought when you look at Leviticus and he says this he says I will put my dwelling place among you and he says I will walk among you and I will be your God and you will be my people <clears throat> You see, the point here is God wants to make sure we get it. God wants to make sure that we understand, that we understand these great truths. And you see, God says, I am God, you are my people, and I'm going to live, and I'm going to dwell among you. And you see, God is saying, my presence will always be in the presence of of my people. I'll always be with you. And he says, and this is what sets us as believers apart from the rest of the world. And that is, we have God. We have God's Holy Spirit living and He is dwelling among us. Excuse me. Mr. Jones said to his son, he said, I love you and I want you to inherit all that I have. And you see, God's message to us today is, I love you, and I want you to share in the inheritance that I have for all who believe in me. I will be your God, and you will be my people, and I will dwell among you. And here God says to Abraham, Abraham, I am the Lord God Almighty. And the wonderful thing about all of this is that all of these promises, you see that God makes to Abraham. You see, God makes these same promises to us today, the very same ones. It's the message of God's love and God's mercy. It's the message of God's grace, and that's the grace that we find in the covenant that God sets forth. God says, I will be your God, and you will be my people and I will come, and I will live, and I will dwell among you. You see, that's the great hope we have. That's the message. Let's pray together.